Hello and welcome to our first episode of 2021. And today we're going to revisit a topic that will take on even more importance as we start to slowly exit the pandemic. 2020 was the year of social distancing and lockdowns to weather a deadly virus. Unfortunately, that came with heavy costs for millions in our country with job losses and wealth destruction occurring at historically unprecedented rate. Now, as we approach a new budget and a new financial year, and as the vaccines start to percolate into the population, all eyes will be on the steps taken to revive our economy. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by Mr. Dilip Chinoy, the Secretary General of the Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce and Industry, the voice of India's business and industry. Mr. Chinoy has a long history of advocating for and advising businesses across the country, and was also until recently the chairman of the National Skills Develop Development Council. We can't think of anyone better to address some of our questions about India's economic recovery and what the post-pandemic future holds for the country's youth. Mr. Chinoy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, uh, Abhishek. Just one minor uh, point that I was the founding managing director and CEO of the National Skill Development Corporation. Okay, thank you. People tend to mistake the cooperation with council, but that's okay. Great to be with you on this new year podcast of the Young India Foundation. So, sir, as we enter the new year, what do you view some of the biggest opportunities and challenges for Indian industry in 2021? And in your answer, if you would appreciate any insights on emerging sectors in the post-pandemic economy and what we should be looking out for in terms of opportunities. I think if, if, if the first is that we've had uh, two uh, very bad quarters of negative growth uh, uh, there. I expect the third quarter to be significantly different. I uh, don't see... Uh, hopefully a negative uh, growth uh, in the uh, third quarter. The data will be out uh, soon. We've just heard uh, uh, that the uh, GST collections actually exceeded 1.5 lakh crores, uh, the highest ever uh, that it has been done. So uh, the different macro level indicators are actually showing that uh, the economy is on the path to recovery. Uh, many people are talking about a V-shaped uh, recovery. But there is, uh, uh, you know, a kind of view within some sectors that some of the services sectors, and for example, even now, flights are not operating to full capacity, hotels are not operating to full capacity, many restaurants are uh, relocating uh, with places where they get lower, they have to pay lower rentals, and the real estate sector is actually facing some challenges. So you will see some, uh, some of the sectors, which are the service related uh, sector, which are the meeting intensive or you know physical impact intensive exhibitions meetings uh, tourism etc uh, take a longer time uh, to revive but the other sectors will revive uh, very very uh, you know quickly the areas that are seeing tremendous interest from the young generation uh, now uh, is a career in life sciences because you know, this whole pandemic issue in the health and life sciences is suddenly seen as a huge opportunity for people to make a mark, right? Whether it is even a startups who pivoted their businesses to address applications of proximity or applications of tracking or setting up delivery infrastructure or any contactless payment, contactless deliveries. 
you know, even young people uh, pivoting their textile businesses or self-help groups pivoting their businesses to make masks, uh, PPE suits, ventilators, etc. So in the whole space like this, there was a huge uh, opportunity. The second uh, great opportunity is in the digital space, because you know during the COVID pandemic, uh, you know you saw it, the the digitization was not driven by the CEO, the CTO, or the CIO. It is a pandemic which drove digitization, and as companies start to mainstream digitization into their companies, so you require a lot of young people with digital capabilities. You require new digital products and services, whether it's learning management systems for schools or education systems, or whether it is uh, you know, even the COVID uh, kind of the tracker for vaccination. So there's a whole lot of digital opportunities. You talk of the sector, there's a digital opportunity there, and this is a huge opportunity for disruption going forward. We expect that the growth would be, uh, you know, at least in the next quarter, be positive. Uh, although for the year, uh, you know, the indications are most of the agencies, global agencies that will end up the year as negative. But I think uh, that being said, there is still an opportunity to prove these uh, people a bit wrong. Uh, but it means that we need to get a 20-25% growth in the fourth quarter. But let's see uh, how it uh, goes. Now, a, a lot of the questions that we got uh, in preparation of the show are related to job creation and employment generation. So as you know, and, uh, over the past few years, even pre-pandemic, our employment generation was not keeping track to, uh, you know, to the required amount. And obviously the pandemic caused historic job losses. Some of them have come back as, as and when the economy has opened. Uh, you know, I was reading a new McKinsey study, which estimated that we need to create 90 million non-farm jobs by the year 2030 to account for sort of workforce growth and also the transition from the farm to the non-farm sector. So as you look forward to the 2021 budget, which will be announced next year for the next financial year, what are some of the key policy prescriptions that you, uh, you have on your wish list in, with an eye towards job creation and employment generation in the country? So Abhishek, you know, one of the big things is that, uh, you know, you made two points. Now, the first point is a lot of people are going to believe the farm sector and be going to be looking for jobs in the manufacturing or services sector. That's been happening over the past 10 to 15 years, right? The second point you said is that we have this large, uh, you know, great uh, uh, pool of young young people, and how do we actually make them a, a kind of a, a dividend uh, for the country, and how can we, you know, economically engage them? But the interesting part is that the answer to this before the COVID crisis would have been slightly different. Post-COVID, it's slightly different. And the three, the, the com, then there's some common points. The first common point is we have to promote manufacturing, right? And we have to promote those areas of manufacturing which are uh, comparatively more labor intensive because services don't produce that many indirect jobs, right? The second thing which is also common is we have to make, uh, if you have to promote manufacturing, we have to make India competitive. So we have to take decisions regarding cost of capital. So setting up a development bank, how do we make the cost of capital for manufacturing people in India a kind of competitive with the rest of the world? We can't compete with a cost of capital of 12%, 8 to 12% while there are in some countries even a zero or a negative interest rate. The second is, if you look at infrastructure, 
and in, within infrastructure logistics. So how do we make the cost of logistics? And again, here, a lot of startups are coming into this space, uh, for example, delivery or other things, which are actually uh, you know, disrupting the whole infrastructure space and creating a very interesting uh, uh, solution uh, going forward. The third thing is that we need to be competitive in terms of power, right? Our power costs are higher. So any reforms that, and it's going to be through the Electricity Amendment Act, et cetera. The third, uh, the, the fourth area we need to look at is the entire thing of the cost of doing business. You know, there's a focus on the ease of doing business, but you know, we can't compete with countries where, uh, you know, uh, it costs uh, one third the cost to move goods uh, power is one uh, one half the cost. Uh, other uh, compliance issues are, you know, uh, non-existent in some cases, or one tenth the cost, etc. So the other thing we like to see in this is that reducing reducing the cost of uh, doing uh, business. The fifth area is that you look at in the manufacturing sector. They've been, introduced a lot of production-linked incentive schemes. We hope that more such things come in. The tax, uh, you know, concessional tax rate that was given for manufacturing firms, which had to kick in if the production starts by 2023 for the disruption, we're saying you take it to 2025. And then a whole lot of other issues, but a major chunk of the issues in the startup. Because the startups uh, and young people, how do we encourage them to happen here? Why are Indian, Indian startups willing to go and flip their base to a foreign country to raise money that's going to raise money in India? So the thing the relating to taxation of angel uh, funds, Correct. Uh, you know, and you know all of that uh, needs to be actually addressed. Uh, you know, CSR funding should be allowed for uh, startups uh, to funding startups, etc. These are some of the things that we are actually uh, talking about. But the finance minister has said that she's inviting suggestions from everybody. So each one of you can give suggestions to the finance minister, and she has promised that she'll take uh, all the suggestions into view and really. Uh, you know, make it the historic budget that it is there. But fundamentally, three issues. Make India competitive, right. uh, create the infrastructure, uh, enable uh, long-term project finance at low uh, rates, promote innovation and R&D. You know, that had actually gone out of the radar screen, but the pandemic has actually brought back this focus on innovation and R&D. I want to quickly follow up here because the government has also taken certain key reforms over the past year itself. And, you know, for years, industry has been clamoring for factor market reforms in terms of land, labor, etc. And, you know, we haven't had a major land, uh, land bill overhaul in a while now, but we did have some labor laws passed. I, I just want you to touch upon what the industry view on some of those changes were at the state level, essentially. And, no, I think the, the, the three things happened in the labor uh, space. One is that uh, the new labor codes, uh, codes got approved. Right. Second is to address the pandemic uh, issues. Uh, the state governments actually uh, amended and uh, some of the, or uh, suspended the application of certain rules uh, which are there, right? Uh, to, pro uh, to promote, uh, to eliminate inconvenience, et cetera. Although the, some of the labor unions were against it, and especially extending the work hours to 12 uh, work hour to you know, day work hour to 12 hours was opposed by anybody, but people forgot the spirit behind it. Right? The spirit was that you know, I mean, you know, you, you would not know the labor laws actually prescribe the number of bathrooms that must be there, or the number of canteen seats that must be there. There right. must be a schedule. 
right? Now those have to be suspended because you have to keep social distancing. You can't spit in the factory premises. You know, people have to, you know, people have to live in the factory, right? Then a lot of stuff had to be done. And rather than if you're working in shifts, rather than doing eight, uh, you know, eight hours into, uh, you know, and over a period of number of days to do 48 hours, why don't you do 48 hours in less number of time so that, you know, you can actually keep production going and keep the jobs going and email that to happen. Unfortunately, the spirit was uh, misunderstood. It was not a permanent uh, kind of a thing. So that happened there. But now the, in, the, in the codes, the rules are actually coming up. And some of the employees are actually saying that some of the changes proposed in the laws will actually make us take home less money, right? So they're saying, you know, can, can you know, since the C2C and how we do it in the C2C with keeping something as, uh, uh, as you know, minimum, let it happen. And there's some other things which, uh, you know, but I think the government is in a dialogue. The government had a meeting with the labor unions, industry and other tripartite meeting. Some of the labor unions did not attend, but I think the government is in the mood of engagement. They've put up the drafts for, uh, for comments. Even your people can comment against that. There's no, nothing preventing anybody to comment. So comment in the government will consider these going forward. But you know, the, in another way, the number of reform steps that have been announced and actually executed uh, in the, from February 1 of last year till date, are perhaps more that have been ever done in any one uh, calendar year uh, right. since independent India. Thank you for that response, sir. Uh, more of a personal question now. Could you please elaborate on your time as the MD and CEO of the National Skill Development Corporation? And how do you think this role ties in with post-COVID recovery and long-term prospects for the Indian market? Yeah, uh, thanks, Arya, for that uh, question. If you, if, you know, if you look at it, uh, see, one of the things that we were advocating uh, in uh, NSDC and they still are advocating was that for every job role, you need to develop a competency matrix. So how do you actually signal uh, what is, to the educational and training institutions, what are the competencies that the employers are looking uh, in that particular area? So initially, pre-COVID, a lot of people used to focus on three Cs, you know, creativity, communication, uh, you know, and the other two Cs, right? Now, after that, uh, after COVID, people are looking at the ability to forecast uh, disruption, the ability to handle technology. I mean, you know, this group is a very young group, right, here, so we can easily understand how to handle a, a, a webinar. But, you know, people in their... 70s and 80s also had to do uh, webinars. School teachers who had no experience of technology, uh, you know, 28 crore kids actually went online. So uh, one thing is that we have to actually find out and share which are the jobs and what are the competencies of jobs uh, post COVID that will be required. Second is that, you know, earlier digital and off uh, campus uh, education was frowned upon. You know, you had to do everything in the physical mode. You had to be in a classroom for eight hours, et cetera, et cetera. And we now see that a blended kind of a system will actually be more acceptable and you can leverage that uh, going on. And, uh, you know, skill development centers could actually be operating 24 by seven because people have really, you know, uh, gotten there. So you're going to see development of new competencies, development of new curriculums, development of new ways of delivery, 
uh, more flexibility, micro micro uh, credits and micro degrees being given, and a person can accumulate skills as we uh, go forward. Uh, and the interesting part is a lot of people have realized that they need you know, the, the importance of a certification. Uh, you know, be able to say that okay, this is the skill that I have, and the the recognition of prior learning would actually gain more importance uh, as we go forward. Uh, the skill sector and a lot of the physical skill sectors have taken a huge hit because they were closed for six months. Uh, they had to pay the rentals. They did not have the option to close and go elsewhere because you know the rental and uh, and everything was tied to their funding. So we would need to see and how we can actually revamp and revive uh, this sector uh, by uh, doing a number of uh, other things which the banks did for other industries, but maybe NSDC and other funding organizations have to do for this sector going forward. So as someone who has worked at the very top level with both the education sector and corporate and industrial houses, what are some of the key challenges do you think are facing India's education system? The new, recently introduced new education policy, do you think it's a step in the right direction to address the skill gap that is prevalent between graduates and the demands of the market which are constantly changing? Yeah, thank you, Gaurav, for that question. I think. Uh, uh, the one thing is that the new education policy has come after a long, long time. The second is that the new education policy was framed after a huge iterative uh, process and consultative process across different stakeholders, more than two lakh uh, stakeholders and many, many organizations, etc. The biggest challenge uh, going forward is actually to take the NEP and execute it on the ground. So whatever has been, how do you go into a multidisciplinary course? How do you go into, you know, a four-year, uh, you know, post, I mean, a, a four-year graduate program? How do you enable uh, the flexibility to move in and out of the system? Because, you know, the Indian ethos is that the moment the person finishes school, the parents want him to finish college in one go, right? And as quickly as possible and then take up a master's or, you know, appear for examination and then be on his way to earning a career. And the whole thing of taking a break and, you know, the liberal uh, perspective and all is not well understood uh, here. So that executing that on the ground, and that means, you know, the teachers and the professors uh, have to actually re-evaluate themselves. And one thing that the COVID has done has actually created a, you know, a learning management system uh, education institute management system digitally, which uh, if you had tried to introduce in a normal way without COVID would have been very difficult to do because everybody would objected to it. But now that you have the system, just taking it forward and mainstreaming what we have taken all the gains in this and mainstreaming it going forward and really executing every element, whether it's the school element, the preschool element, or the postgraduate element, and the connect between industry and academia, uh, that is going to be the challenge going forward. It is work in progress. The government has set up teams, uh, you know, uh, mainly with the university vice chancellors to enable you to execute. At the school level also, it will be being done. But teachers and professors, and, you know, they are among the most underrated people in our system, but they do a lot of good work. And how do we enable them to be more, uh, you know, uh, effective, how do we create a whole learning ecosystem in schools and colleges 
is the challenge uh, going forward. And again, related to my last answer, how does how do the employers signal to the uh, education system what are the types of people that they want, including a research. You know, today if you do a master's, whether you want to do research or you want to sit for the IAS or whether you want to teach or whether you want to work, you follow the same curriculum. But in future, the, since the competencies will differ, uh, differ, you can select and choose the subjects and the things that you want to do. And keeping the physical infrastructure in pace with that would be the other challenge. Sir, what role do you think a public-private partnership has in building a research-oriented community? And how can the corporate sector help uh, in promoting ingenuity and creativity among college and school students? So, first of all, if you look at different sectors, what you how you define a public-private partnership differs. Yeah, in the in the education sector, uh, it could be that you know. Uh, the government uh, provides certain incentives uh, in terms of cost of land and recognition of a school. The private entrepreneur uh, gets in, uh, you know, uh, his uh, capital and he sets up that school and the public actually collaborate uh, and, you know, how to run the school and take it forward. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a public private uh, partnership in the education space. In the health, it could be that the government has got a healthcare center a private sector entity comes in and runs the uh, healthcare sector. The government pays them a basic money, but they make it more efficient. They get more people to come in because of the services that they're delivering, and they actually end up supporting the, the government uh, you know, they're, they're going forward. So uh, in, the, in, the, in the roads, it's a completely different thing. In power, it's a completely different thing. So depending on the sector, the PPP would actually uh, differ. But I think the best example of a public-private partnership and the way it can work uh, is being demonstrated during the COVID time. So this whole de uh, this whole thing of the development of the, you know, co-vaccine, right? Uh, if you take it at Oxford University, uh, you know, the government of UK, AstraZeneca uh, partnership with the labs to actually enable that to happen. Or if you look at Bharat Biotech, it was the ICMR, uh, the uh, scientists and all in Bharat Biotech and the public health system which helped to do the you know phase one, phase two, and phase three uh, trials, and all of us you know who will then actually uh, take the shot uh, going forward. So a lot of opportunities have actually come up in this space uh, going forward. And the young people, you know, there are a lot of social problems to be solved, whether it is sanitation or water, or you know, uh, even in the education space or whether it is in the, in the public health uh, space, or whether it is in, in, you know, in garbage uh, collection. There are many, many problems. So I think the young should actually go and identify uh, the problem statements in either a block or a village. You know, you have the most aspirational, uh, uh, you know, villages that you actually want to work on. So what are all the defense? They have their own problem statements. So take the problem statement, you have the government or the giving the problem statement, private sector actually works on the solutions, then you jointly, you know, work together to actually deliver the solutions on the ground. And then, you know, people can either contribute by CSR or something. So there are different models. I mean, we are, a, you know, 1.35 billion people, right? We have 1.35 problems, billion problems, right? But the pandemic, we moved from a consumption society to being a creative society. 
and i think the creative side of us find solutions to things but don't look for problem uh, don't look for problems of why it cannot be done and that is the greatest thing the young people should do every issue and every challenge should be seen as an opportunity not as a problem right and find and you know there are many takers for solutions right uh, across the country whether it is developing an app for your local kirana store to take my order and deliver it whether it is an app to connect a kirana store and a delivery partner uh, and and a consumer so or whether it's a thing to uh, give unbanked people access to credit there are hundreds of problems that or millions of problems that need solutions and the young can actually do it thank you for that sir now a question which is extremely extremely pertinent as of today as of this week what is your take on the new agricultural reforms do you see a long term gain to these legislations and how do you see the situation panning out over the course of the next few weeks sorry you have asked three questions in one question right so <laughs> yeah. the first uh, question is how does uh, one see uh, the agricultural reforms yes i mean the president of fiki is on record having said that uh, the reforms in the agricultural sector were long overdue uh, uh, whether it was you know there there are three sets of uh, reforms that have been done Uh, the first one is the essential commodities act where i think people no one has really an actual problem yeah right because that was actually preventing in very recently you know when we banned the export of onions a lot of traders who had long term contracts actually got impacted some of our neighboring countries also got impacted they recently have removed the ban on the export of onions right so the whole essential commodity act in terms of stocking and storage and all the changes that they put is a very welcome step i think there's no major disagreement there the second one is the one relating to the amendment of the apmc act right where the model aplm act was there for many many years and you know the state governments were actually being asked to implement it they uh, it did not happen Uh, so uh, you know there was a challenge but the spirit of the amendments and all was to you know in 1991 right when the then reforms were done actually in 80s also when it was started earlier industry was constrained by what you could produce at what price you could sell industry huh? i'm talking of even a manufacturing industry i don't know if you if you talk to your parents right many of them would not have owned a bajaj scooter because their parents did not book one when they were born <laughs> right so when those restrictions were lifted in 1991 uh, about where you can source technology how much you can manufacture at voice price you can sell for industry industry flourished the belief was that if you remove the constraints and now people to sell and make whatever they want to do right agriculture will also uh, this thing there seems to be a challenge on the minimum support price uh, to farmers uh, they're saying that it should be legislated but there's never a legislation and i think it's a trust issue which needs to be built between the farmers and the government uh, industry is very very clear that no corporate wants to take advantage of a farmer and i think that the government will continue with the msp uh, thing going forward the third issue relates to the way the contract act has been uh, you know framed in terms of where the people can go for redressal of their grievances it was with the local uh, sdm or whatever it is perhaps the thought there was that a farmer may not have to travel to a city center or uh, go to a town to fight his case he can actually get the thing issued 
locally when from our perspective whatever the farmer wants and whatever is acceptable to farmer and the government and the farmer can get to an uh, get to an agreement it will be very uh, you know i mean there's there's it's not a major issue i think that's uh, but as you know uh, other issues have been brought into the farm laws one is this whole thing about the penalty on stubble burning the amendments proposed in the electricity act so there are some other issues which are there and i'm sure the government and the and the farms will uh, the farmers will agree to uh, what needs uh, to be done we believe that the uh, reforms are progressive it will benefit the farmer we 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 waste about 2 lakh crores worth of uh, uh, farm produce uh, there we can feed whole nations on the amount that we waste everybody agrees that reforms are necessary and we hope that uh, you know life returns to normal uh, very very uh, quickly and we can look at the punjab uh, farmers in punjab uh, you know uh, getting the good remuneration for whatever produce they make and they might also they, uh, they might also like to diversify their crops to address the issues of the uh, shrinking water table etc but i believe that uh, as president fiki said that the farm reforms were long overdue thank you i think i just want to end on any advice that you'd have for young students you know someone between the ages of 22 to 25 just looking at uh, either graduating college or in a masters program thinking about the massive shift that is going on in the economy around them what are some skills or other attributes that they should look to develop and harness in themselves as they if they if they want to succeed in in the post pandemic economy so i think three things which uh, people will look out uh, here in addition to your reading writing you know and uh, speaking abilities there which is the communication bit right is your agility how quick you are to respond to a situation right the second the, 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 the second thing which people are be looking on for is how can how comfortable and and okay are you with technology not necessarily only powerpoint and excel and all but lot of other technology so if you are if you are look you know if if you were to say okay i want a job in this company and you were to actually look at your look at how that technology would disrupt that company and how what are technology skills you need to enable that company not to be disrupted by technology and if you are called for an interview and if you actually talk about that you know you have a greater uh, greater sense story to tell right yep so to tell so i think the first thing is that you know uh, and second uh, the, the next thing is that in the same space there may be an opportunity to become an entrepreneur or a startup right so don't be afraid you know earlier if you if you were a startup and you failed there was a stigma attached to it today yeah. that india is gone right uh, so if you start up and not even fail companies will still look at you right uh, and as the prime minister said think of being an employer rather than an employee right okay so that is the second uh, bit that uh, i would do. and third is you know look at uh, giving back to society social service right and if you have not taken up a sport or physical activity please do that play active sport right uh, and do you know be fit because being fit is very very key uh, to that you know you can check my photos today and pre pandemic you will say what i'm talking about 
Mr. Janoy, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, sir. We are extremely honored to have hosted you. And it was really, really fun and insightful talking to you, sir. It was a pleasure, sir. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Abhishek, Arya, Gaurav. Thank you.